Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pro Tour Talk with Steve Dodge. I'm Steve Dodge. Today is Thursday, September 13th. It is just a quick four days after Pro Worlds, where Greg Barsby and Paige Bjorkus became one-time champions. What an amazing and thrilling show it was. We'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. But basically, today is a catch-up day. We're going to go through all the AMAs we missed last week. We're going to do our tip of the tuft. We're going to do our podcast of the week. And we have a very quick conversation about the Tour Championship and if it should be a match play event versus its current amalgamation of formats. And with that, let's get into Pro Tour Talk. So that brings us to our tip of the tuft. The tip of the tuft this week goes to the PDGA. The PDGA put on Pro Worlds, and they made Pro Worlds the single most watched disc golf event ever. And by that, I mean they made the media work, and it's going to continue working. So not only was there live coverage, live coverage that was watched by over 10,000 people at the same time as Greg Barsby came down the 18th fairway. Not only did they have edited coverage, Central Coast Disc Golf, Jomez, covering MPO1, FPO1, MPO2. There was also on-site podcasts every night through UltiWorld. You also had Steve Hill and crew posting articles about every day's events. We had Instagram going, we had Facebook going, we had Twitter going. So many people saw this event and watched this event and read about this event and heard about this event. It was phenomenal, but wait, there's more. The PDGA and Smuggler's Notch have a contract with Outside Magazine and they are making a full-blown one-hour program that will be aired on outside TV sometime in the future and it is going to be amazing. The crew that they put together to do this is top-notch and we are very excited to see what comes of this. Disc Golf on TV for reals. So, a tip of the tuft to the PDGA Thank you for making Pro Worlds a phenomenal event that so many of us could share in person or in whatever media format we wanted to enjoy. Here's to bigger and better things and for the PDGA showing the way. One of my favorite things to do is to think about how the Pro Tour can improve, how our statistics can improve, how the media can improve, just everything in general. What can we do to continually improve? And wonderfully, there's lots of things we can do. We never find a, we, we never find a day where we think, huh, I can't think of anything to do to improve today. Uh, and one way that we improve is through the Ask Me Anything questions. And these questions cause us to do some thinking and some evaluations and give you some answers 
But a lot of times the ask me anything questions actually cause us to improve. So to everybody out there that submitted questions, thank you very much. If you have a question for the Pro Tour, which is a great way of leading into, hey Steve, why don't you guys do a better job? Uh, feel free to go to our website, dgpt.com slash AMA, stands for Ask Me Anything, and go ahead, ask me anything. We've got three great questions this week, and our first one is about the fairway. And it says, what is the fairway, and what exactly is a fairway hit? So one thing that uh, UDISC has done recently is they rolled out statistics in their app. So statistics are no longer the uh, the purview of just the Pro Tour and the National Tour and the majors and some special events in Europe. Statistics are now something that we can all keep for ourselves. And what people have been noticing is that uh, on a par three, let's say a 300-foot par three, I throw my first shot in the fairway, and I throw my second shot in circle two, and my third shot in circle one, and my fourth shot in the basket. It feels like I was in the fairway off the drive, and in the second shot, arguably. So, but when I look at my statistics, my fairway hits are 0%. And the reason for this is, on a par three, in order to have a fairway hit, you need to hit the green. And the reason for that is because greens in regulation is defined by par minus two. So off the tee on a par three, if you don't get in circle two, you are not in the fairway, even if you are in the fairway. But by definition, you're not in the fairway. So the UDIS guys revised that statistic. I had a great conversation with Josh about this. Uh, the UDIS guys revised that statistic for the purposes of their app that's used by the general public, and Fairway Hits has been replaced. Uh, I don't remember the exact name that Josh replaced it with, but uh, it might be Accuracy Off the Tee or something like that. But on the pro side of the game, Fairway Hits is still defined by, uh, on a par 4, getting it in the fairway, and on a par 3, getting it in circle 2, in regulation uh, and I should say on par four getting in the fairway in your tee shot and then getting it on the green in your second shot and then obviously a par five you have three opportunities to get in the fairway uh, unless you're crazy and get on the green in your second shot then you only had two opportunities uh, I wonder if that's true I wonder if Josh and Matt have accounted for for that fact once you're on the green you can't get another fairway hit uh, interesting question that we should give to the to the UDISC AMA. But anyway, so that's what a fairway hit and is, and that's how it's calculated, and that's why somebody can throw off of the tee on a par three, especially a long par three, have a great shot that's just outside of circle two, and see their fairway percentage actually drop because they did not land on the green, which is what needs to happen in order to get a fairway hit on a par three. So there we have it, fairway hits. Our second question comes to us and it talks about player incentives and growing the sponsor side. Here's the question, is there enough incentive for players to get sponsors for the Pro Tour? 
Would it help if a player got a kickback from Pro Tour sponsorships? For example, if a player recruits a big enough sponsor, they could get a season of entry fees for the tour or free entry to a few events, depending on the size and commitment of the sponsor. I'm glad that I started this segment off by saying I constantly think of ways that we can improve because this is a big one. So the answer is yes, there is incentive, enough incentive for players to get us sponsors. However, there is not enough communication from us to let players know, hey, if you get us a big enough sponsor, not a big enough sponsor, if you get us a sponsor, we will give you a commission. And I'll go ahead and say that to anybody. If you give us a lead that turns into a sponsor, we'll give you a commission on that. And it could be cash or it could be a, a um, gift certificate to the Pro, Pro Tour store. It could, be a, it could be a Zuka cart with your name on it. We are open to doing a lot of stuff, especially if you get us a nice big sponsor. So there is incentive for the players to get us sponsors. But we haven't told the players that in a long time, and it's time to remind them. So thank you very much for the question. And if anybody listening has ideas for sponsors that are a good fit, for example, a security company that wants to put something on the green that will protect the basket from, from putts, I think that would be a great fit. There's all sorts of ways that we can make uh, sponsorships for brands that are not endemic to our sport fit into our sport. And uh, one thing I have seen, which is really, really fun, is that everybody that watches disc golf is mad about the sponsors and will absolutely go and select a different brand because that brand is supporting our sport. And for that, I thank you so very much. We are showing sponsors return on investment and we are able to grow our sponsorships because of how great our fans are. So please, please, please keep it up. And if you know a sponsor that might be interested, give them my name, give them Danielle's name, give them Sean's name and send them our way. Thank you very much. Now on to the third question. Our third and final question for this show. Should the Pro Tour be consistent in the number of rounds at each tournament? Is four rounds a magic number? Seems like Idlewild dodges a bullet, but if it had been four days, it could have been more flexible. Seems like nobody would complain if a four-day tourney had a one-day rainout. But if a three-day tourney has a one-day rainout, seems like a two-round tournament just wouldn't be the same. That is a fantastic question. And I would say in general, yes, the Pro Tour is all about consistency. Right now, I would say that we are shooting for three-day events. As the sport grows, I would say we will evolve into four-day events. And that will all happen naturally over time as, as viewership grows and as infrastructure grows and it becomes more manageable to have longer events. The other aspect of longer events is the players. I don't know about you, but if I have to spend two days preparing for work 
and then four days doing work and then two days traveling to work and I do that every week that is literally working eight days a week and that is a great way to burn out so one thing the Pro Tour tries to do is have events have breaks between events however the players as has been reminded to me oftentimes don't take those off weeks because they don't like to not eat so sometimes you need to make the money and the way you do that is by playing during the off weeks and what that does is burn you out so we need to do two things one continue to grow the purses at pro tour events which is why we're going to be raising the added cash next year and then number two uh, we need to keep the events as short as possible three days until we get to the point that we can support the the touring pros with just premier events and they don't have to go off and play uh, in between events so they can still do that if they want but they don't have to they can they can recharge their bodies and their souls and their minds uh, during the off weeks if they want to it becomes a choice as opposed to something they have to do but for the time being we encourage the events to be three days there are legacy events that are longer and that is okay our next question is absolutely loaded and uh, I feel like the person that asked it was just setting me up for uh, for controversy but I'm gonna dive in because that's what I do the question is is worlds easier to win than the tour championship I genuinely don't know the answer to that but there's definitely some components there that that the questioner is asking about the first of which is just is it easier to play worlds than the tour championship and the answer to that is clearly yes uh, pro worlds if you would like to play and you are a pro just sign up you will most likely get in uh, there are several events or perhaps I should say few, that you have to qualify to get into. The Tour Championship is one of those. USDGC is another. These events are very difficult to get into. And so in that way, winning the Tour Championship is in fact more difficult than winning Pro Worlds, just because you have to qualify and that is harder. However, realistically, everybody that qualifies for the tour championship or I should say actually put the other way everybody that has a chance at really winning pro worlds will qualify for the tour championship there is no way to deny and I would not even want to that pro worlds is the premier event in our sport Greg Barsby and Paige Bierkus when they sunk that final putt their lives changed their sponsors are going to be able to tout them as world champions because they are they will be names that people want to have at their tournaments because they're world champions so the prestige of the world championship is significantly higher than the prestige of the tour championship or even the USDGC in my opinion at this point 
But to the question, is it harder to win a world championship? I don't know the answer to that. It's easier to play in the world championship than the tour championship. A friend of mine recently said to me, you can't chase history. The Disc Golf Pro Tour Tour Championship, which I believe will be one of our premier events in the next couple of years, will never have the history that Pro Worlds does. It's impossible. That doesn't mean that it won't be as special someday. It just means you can't create history out of thin air and the World Championship has been doing this for 40 years. It is our sports crowning jewel and rightly so. Should it be harder to get in? That's a discussion that the Board of Directors, I suspect, talks about every two or three years, if not every year. So, great question. Thanks for potentially setting me up for, uh, for stepping in something. I hope I avoided it and touted both events as being super special. Thank you very, very much for the great questions. Please keep them coming. We have got a very exciting end of the season happening over the next four weeks. If you would like to ask a question and get it on the AMA section of the podcast, please go to dgpt.com slash AMA, discgolfprotour.com slash AMA. Thank you very much. Our conversation of the day is going to be held with just me. After Pro Worlds, I felt it appropriate to let all the players take a little break. And talking with me for a half hour on some random topic that I think is important maybe isn't the thing that they want to do right now. So in deference to them and letting everybody have a little bit of a rest, I'm just going to go ahead and interview myself and have a discussion about this topic. Some people have mentioned that they think the Tour Championship, which is held October 18 to 21 in Jacksonville, Florida, make sure to watch, should be a match play event. This is a really interesting idea. Uh, we have 32 players. It'd be pretty fun to to have first versus 32nd and second versus 31st and do a, what a 32 to 16 to 8 to 4 to 2. So that'd be a five round tournament. That'd be super fun to do. On the women's side, we could, we could do 12 or maybe we'd increase to 16 or decrease to 8, which would make it really challenging to get into, which might be a good idea. But the concept is, should it be match play versus the sort of combination format that it currently is. The advantages of match play, you know exactly who's playing who. Uh, picking a bracket is a really easy thing to do. The disadvantages of match play, frankly, watching two people play head-to-head -head is relatively boring. I would much rather see four people play head-to-head -head with the winner moving on. There's a much better chance that you're going to have 
two or three players who are battling all the way down to the end. And it's really fun to think about two people being tied and one person being one stroke behind. And that, uh, that dynamic of playing safe so you don't let the guy behind you catch up, but playing aggressive so you beat the guy next to you. There's a lot of potential dynamics that the current Tour Championship format allows for. So this has been a pretty short conversation, actually. I really don't see any advantages to match play besides the ease of the bracket. Uh, I think as far as watching and even playing, because there's an extra round that has to be done uh, and there's no buys and, and realistically our seating, because of the fact that everybody doesn't play every event right now, our seatings aren't even uh, up to snuff. They're not, they're not real right now. If you get in the top eight, you've done a pretty good job, but there are players outside the top eight who are probably power ranked in the top eight, but since they didn't play as many events, they don't, they don't get the benefits of being in the top eight. So our rankings are kind of messed up right now. They're getting better, but that along with the extra round, along with, it's just much more boring to watch. I don't think we should make a match play. So let me know what you think. You can go to dgpt.com slash AMA and let us know your thoughts and questions. Or you can just go to the website and hit contact us and, and reply. We want to know everything you want to tell us. This has been the single quickest interview or conversation I could ever imagine us having on Pro Tour Talk. So let's move it along. Here we go. All right, everybody, time to close up the show. It's been really fun having all these great conversations and insights. There's a couple of big events left, the USDGC and the Tour Championship. There's a couple of NT events left. We've got the Delaware Disc Golf Challenge, and we've got the Hall of Fame Classic. The season is not over. And we've got, we've got a lot to do to figure out who was the best player in 2019 on both the men's and the women's side. Best of luck to all the players over the next month. So to close it out, our podcast of the week has to be Hidden Brain. I was listening to Hidden Brain this morning, and it really feels like uh, Shankar has, has inadvertently thought about disc golf a whole lot. Because he talks about the fact that people in nature are much better creatures physically, emotionally, and mentally, and socially. And uh, thank you very much, Shankar, for continuing to do a great job. I love listening to Hidden Brain and uh, keep up the great work. Eventually, people are going to catch on that we should go outside with our golf discs and interact with nature and become our better selves. So I hope you all have a great week. This has been Pro Tour Talk with Steve Dodge. I'm Steve Dodge. Good night.